0: Welcome to the Why Your Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Baca, and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. Today's topic is something that we're all accustomed to, whether it's in banking or not. We all have dealt with this in some form Um, with the advent of smartphone technology and internet access. We seem to deal with it less, and we actually get more frustrated as time goes on, and that's customer service over the phone. Bank of America, for the longest time, had um, prided itself on effective customer service over the phone. Um, any commercial you would see for Bank of America, any advertisement online, any of the correspondence that we would give whenever we would open an account would have their telephone customer service line, which was one 800 1000 and I believe it's still that, although they have a million different numbers, who knows anymore. And that was a way of, hey, you know what, we're around all the time. In case you have any questions, give our toll-free number a call, and we'll have our dedicated specialist here to answer any question you may have about your bank account. Thank you so much for coming into the Banking Center, and you have a pleasant day. That was my life as a banker for Bank of America for so many years. And for the longest time, I did believe that I had a dedicated support staff around us in order to be successful. I, you know, I didn't call that number directly. I had an employee associate only phone number for my banking. And they answered relatively fast. I never had an issue with just general banking with Bank of America. So I never ran into that problem because I have been an associate almost as long as I had been a customer. And, you know, so my experience was rather unique compared to the average person. But in my twittering, my tweeting... That I've done the last several months. I've come to notice that a lot of the beefs that um, clients have with Bank of America doesn't necessarily have to do with certain services. It has to do with response time. And I have tons of, of conversations that I can have about that. And there's tons of subjects that I'm going to go through in this podcast. Hopefully, we'll keep it under an hour because I can go on and on about all the things that are wrong with it. The desire to do this particular podcast was a conversation I had this past Saturday with a Twitter user, and I'm just going to use her Twitter handle, it's Aurora underscore Knightley. Um, just through my random searching for Bank of America topics, I noticed that she had a conversation about a you know long hold time on the phone for her customer service need, and I typically would chime in with, uh, you know, there's a handful of people working in the call center, and... The average wait time is an hour usually, which is all true. Um, but we actually delved into a pretty good discussion, this Aurora Knightley and myself, about how banks, you know, treat their customers when it comes to how fast they want to serve them. And you know, the average wait time now. I, I just called before um, I started this podcast, and the average wait time today was thirty-seven to forty-eight minutes which is insane for an end-of-the-month Wednesday when, honestly, there's a handful of people who get paid. Social Security, not a lot of people you know, get paid on this day. It's not a busy day in the branch. It's not a busy day in banking. It's just another day. But to wait nearly an hour just to speak to someone over the phone, basically 5% of your day is spent on hold listening to the endless advertisements. That gets a little frustrating, and I can understand why people tense up My people take it out on the associate over the phone, and I feel for those Bank of America associates over the phone because they take so much crap, and a lot of it isn't their fault. It's staffing issues, it's accessibility issues for, you know, doing things such as refunds or whatever. So they get yelled at a lot, and it's through no fault of their own. They work for a company that's very difficult to deal with, and the associates there are on the front lines just eating it, while the people who make the decisions don't actually know what's going to center. So, you know, talking with Aurora Knightley here, I kind of made the analogy that it's very similar to, you know, a nightclub. You know, if you're a preferred customer with Bank of America and you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in there, you have Merrill Lynch or Merrill or whatever they're, you know, calling themselves now that it's been renamed, if you're an important person with a lot of money, um, they have systems in place they have Benefits in place that allow you certain things so one of the things that preferred rewards customers which is the consumer banking version of hey this person's important they have 20,000 or more is one of the selling points and this isn't all their materials for opening accounts or for enhancing accounts is that that preferred person gets a dedicated phone number and I don't remember it offhand but you know as 1888 rewards or something like that and bank of america would tell me to tell that client it's essentially you know a line pass you're you're skipping through all the wait times and all the holds and all that and you're going to get to someone who's available anytime that you do need them and it sounded good i think it was something that sold a lot of people to go wow it must be important if they're giving me a secret phone number to call in case i need service I understand why the bank does that cuz it wants to keep its quote important clients. But what it effectively did was it turned it into a I'm more important than you. You get this number that doesn't really help and I get this number that's going to help me a lot more than you're going to be helped by that number. And you know, speaking with Aurora Knightley on Twitter, I kind of likened it to a nightclub where, you know, you have the the velvet rope You have a long line of people. I immediately think of Hakkasan in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand where you have this half mile long line of people just waiting to get in, waiting to spend 50 to 100 bucks just to get into the club. And there's a long line of people that they're willing to take their money and they're willing to wait three or four hours in uncomfortable shoes and, you know, really dressy clothes standing around doing nothing just for the hopes to get into the club. Then, of course, you couple that with someone who maybe you know hit a jackpot or want a lot of money or who's in Vegas just to spend a lot of money, and they spend you know $10,000 for bottle service in the club. Guess what? That person's going to cut the line. It doesn't matter if there's 1,000 people in front of them. That person's spending 10 Gs, and they have the possibility of spending 10,000 more, and if they have a group of six, there's an 18% gratuity, so they're going to make some money on tips and whatnot. Guess who's cutting the line? That person who wants bottle service. So the person who's more well-off is more inclined to get better service at the nightclub. Not because they have more money, it's just that they have the ability to spend more money. They have the capability of actually causing that particular club to make a lot more money that night. Rather than the person who's just going to go pay their entrance fee Maybe buy a overpriced bottle of Fiji water just to, you know, swig while they're listening to the good music so they don't, you know, die of dehydration from sweating too much in the club. And that's all that person's gonna get. So it's a net value, you know, very minimal for those people who go into the club. Bank of America thinks that way about their customer service too. So if that person who has two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or heck even twenty-five thousand dollars in their bank account and they're considered preferred, that number that is given to the preferred customers essentially is bypassing all the people that the bank feels doesn't have any value. So you know, even myself as an employee who, who made maybe $1,400 a paycheck and it was a consistent deposit that was in there for a decade and a half and I used my debit card religiously. I rarely wrote checks. I was a good little boy in all the ways that the bank wanted me to manage my bank account. I'm going to be bypassed by the person with more money because if you kiss their butt a lot more and it's time for a home equity line of credit or it's time for a car loan or it's time to talk to Merrill Lynch or Bank of America Private Bank or whatever they're calling it now for retirement advice and financial you know, investments and all that, that person's more important. They're going to get help first. So that's the first problem with Bank of America's um, call centers is you know what, everyone should be treated equally when it comes to having problems or having service needs. Yeah, maybe you give a discount in rates or maybe you give a boost in interest rates uh, for savings accounts for someone who has more business with you. But if it's a fraud in progress or it's something going on with online banking, something that can help a person honestly not have to deal with the bank as much anymore, then you should just help them in the order received. I just think it's silly that You're telling someone, "Hey, you're more important, so you're gonna get this special phone number to cut the line," when effective service should not have, um, you know, issues like that to warrant such a long line over the phone. You know, casinos are like that a lot too. I mentioned the MGM Grand and Hakkasan Club, but you know, casinos have the players' cards in different tiers. You know, the the lowest tier that you can get, I believe, is pearl and pearls are expensive you know when you're buying them but pearl is the lowest system you know the lowest tier system that they have for their casino cards then they have platinum and then they have diamond and you know they have all these things that are supposedly more valuable and more valuable to the casino so if you're a diamond card holder at a casino they have a special lounge where they give you free drinks and free snacks you know, you get more comp rooms, you get discounts at the gift shops. I mean, there's all these things that go along with having more money. So banks and casinos, there's there's no blurred lines there. Those are exactly the same types of business. They're all about catering to the, to the very well-off. And they're all about managing, you know, customer service for the ones who aren't well-off in the hopes of trying to show them a decent amount of service. So maybe when they have money one day they'll remember you but you know people are always about the now as opposed to the future and banks are no different so the average customer is going to get screwed on the phone because they're having to wait just because they don't have money at the moment forget about future potential at the moment they're not as important as the person who does have money and who has the special phone number to call to get to someone immediately and the preferred rewards system is just basically like that. You know, preferred rewards I would tell my clients is it's kind of like when you're in high school and you're going steady with uh, you know, someone that you really care about. You're basically saying if you're preferred rewards, the chances are you're anchoring most of your money to Bank of America, so if we're not your exclusive bank, we're probably your primary bank. So as a thank you, this phone number that they give for customer service is there as a kind of a a gift you know you know banks would give away toasters to open up new accounts back in the 80s well we're giving you the gift of your time you know your time is valuable so here's a special phone number to call if you have any problems the problem with the preferred rewards call center now or at least the number is that it has the same hours as the regular consumer uh, 1-800 number now so it was sold to us as employees and then we sold it to our clients years ago as this is a 24 7 number where someone's going to be available at all times anything is farther from the truth now um i believe it closes at midnight eastern time weekdays and at 6 p.m eastern time on saturdays and sundays Uh, excuse me on saturdays sundays it's not open so you have you know five and a half days of service available on the preferred line Which means there's less time, which means that it's actually more of a logjam when it comes to customer service and waiting on the phone because, you know, if I'm a preferred customer and I'm home Sunday morning and I need to get something done, I'm just going to do it then because chances are I'm probably not waiting as long on a Sunday morning than I would be on a Friday evening. Um, But Bank of America has taken that away from even its preferred customers, which has led to which has led to some issues with their preferred clients, because now what I've seen on Twitter is all the preferred customers are saying, hey, wait a second, I'm preferred, you guys should do better than this, I waited 20 minutes on the phone. You know, Bank of America doesn't like when the clients throw around, a, hey, I'm preferred, or hey, I've been here for 20 years. It's, you know, like telling a cop, you know, my taxes pay your salary, they don't want to hear that crap. And banks don't want to hear that, because it's not a, oh, yeah, you've done well for the last 30 years well guess what I've worked here for two and I I don't know who you are it's a what have you done for me lately kind of thing and that just sucks that just sucks so bad for um preferred customers and just for all of us in general because all of us in general suffer from the uh, you know the issues that preferred clients have in having to wait which ends up causing this traffic jam of calls anytime that you call bank of america One of the things that has come up in the last several months, and it actually was a topic of conversation with my boss and I um, about a year ago when I started to notice it, was um, Bank of America is outsourcing a lot of their calls to third-party vendors. And I already know what you're thinking when you hear outsourcing and third-party. You're thinking they're from India or Pakistan or whatever. You know, people who go there immediately have already a problem with the way things are done so first of all you know a lot of those call centers are very decently run you know they're not in america but they pay them a good wage for where they're at in you know another part of the world but they have hard workers they have people who see that as an exclusive job so you know aside from the inability to understand certain accents i think a lot of customers have it wrong when they hear the phrase outsourcing. They think of it as a bad thing. I wish that Bank of America would have more skilled workers than they do uh, currently in their call centers, because it's not India and Pakistan that you know services Bank of America for the most part. I noticed this a year ago when I was helping um, a client with um, a dispute on their charge, and what I would normally do is, you know, if they were afraid to talk on the phone, I would dial the number up. I would say, hey, my name is James Baca. I'm a banker, Bank of America. And we would give this a little secret code. It's a little one-time use password that we would share to show the other person who works with the bank that we are who we say we are, and just to verify our, our identity. So I would do that, of course, and they would ask me who my manager was and where I'm located. But I would do that too. I would ask that associate and say, hey, can I have your you know one-time use code? And they would give me the code, type it in. And I would say i'm just making up a name here diane jones and you know it says that vendor and it would say the name of a a company i've never heard of and then it would say you know mail code al-01 dash whatever i was like al alabama and then i would help someone again a couple days later i would ask for their code and see another name and then it would say mail code mt like montana and being the bank geek that i was especially the most loyal bank of america associate i'm like montana and alabama don't have bank of america branches so what the hell's the call center doing there yeah they have call centers in california texas you know pennsylvania delaware all these you know other states where bank of america has been prominent and i was like alabama and montana and i was just so just weirded out by that so i would google the name of the company the name of the the third party that was on the little identification card online and i would search it and be a call center and with my wife working at a call center that was a third party company in my hometown for another bank which was citizens bank back east i immediately knew what was going on i knew that bank of america wasn't actually staffing call centers anymore they have a contract and they would give the contract to a third party who would train their associates on the basics of that particular company, in this case, Bank of America. And they would be full-fledged customer service associates answering the phone. And to me, it was just so bizarre. Now, I don't recall any sales um, that were pitched to customers over the phone. During the time that I was there, so I don't think that that was their forte. I think they were just supposedly trained in general customer service. Although I heard different, and I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but yeah, they were they were in another state, and you know, in Alabama you could hear the southern twang, and Montana, you know, there's no accent that, that I could decipher. But I mean, there were people that I could tell weren't really skilled in troubleshooting on the fly the way that. You know even a banker was trained so i was kind of weirded out by that and what's happening is with these third-party call centers is not only is bank of america kind of for lack of a better term whoring out their name to a company you know who's servicing a need for a fee what's happening is you know with the bad customer service that comes from those call centers and oh boy there's bad customer service in those call centers you have a noticeable lack of um, empathy. You have um, you know, less troubleshooting and more, yes, uh-huh, I understand, sir. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, ma'am, I understand, I understand. Uh-huh, yes. You have a lot of that, and you don't have a lot of actual action. And that's the noticeable difference on here. I'm a mile away from a call center for AT&T. About two miles down the road from where I live, there's a call center um that actually does serve as bank of america in some states but not here and that was um a building where my wife worked at for citizens bank back east and they also did direct tv customer service um, down the road in el paso texas there's a giant dish network customer service center that is not run by dish network it's run by another company and um this is the future the futures call centers but what you will find out when you're in a call center environment, and I've never worked in one, but my brother did, my roommate did, my wife did. I opened accounts for customers from a giant call center that Apple outsources its calls to in a giant building right across the street from my closed branch. I would open accounts on the weekly for these associates who would come and go just as fast as you know they were hired. I would help these people. And interesting enough, I would meet these, these people who work for Apple. And a lot of them were, you know, transients. A lot of them were homeless. A lot of them were ex-cons. You would see someone with gang tattoos on their face and their neck and their arms. And they say, I work for Apple. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, I wasn't trying to, to profile. But I was like, you, you really work for the Apple call center? It just didn't seem like a good fit. You know, it just seemed like... They were just looking for a job out of place. And these are the people that are trained in call centers. And nothing against them. I have some of my best clients and best conversations I ever had were people from those call centers. But I would just always chuckle and go, that's an interesting bunch that works for Apple. That that is not, you know, professional looking to say the least. When I think Apple, I think of some, you know, geeky person in a hoodie and really thick glasses on a you know, a, a, an Apple laptop or I see, you know, someone well-dressed designer suit who's in management, who has one of those cool glass box offices with a glass, you know, desktop and everything just looks sleek and futuristic. I don't think ex-cons. I don't think homeless people. But, you know, these were the people that were working in these call centers for Apple and it just would always amaze me. And I would open up maybe three or four accounts a week because these people would be hired so fast. A lot of them would leave just as fast, and then that company would hire more and more. And seeing the turnover rate on there, it helped me with my sales goals immensely because it was an easy account to get with direct deposit, which made the account free for our customers. But it also showed me that the call center environment is not necessarily the most stable one. So Bank of America outsourcing a lot of their calls, you know, to other places that aren't Bank of America is a problem. And it does lead to inexperience. It does lead to longer hold times. You know, an associate can say, well, you know, I don't have the answer for that, but let me ask my supervisor. Let me put you on a brief hold. 20 minutes are on hold while they wait to ask their supervisor a question that an experienced bank associate would know. So call wait times are being influenced by the people answering them. And in fact, they are not Bank of America team members, as I would call them. They're people who are paid just like they're paid to, you know, wipe down the ATMs once a week. They are vendors. They are people that the bank pays for a service. And what can I say? That's just the worst thing to do. And those call centers start at 9.50 an hour or less sometimes. So you don't see a lot of money flowing through them. And of course, Bank of America has a standard minimum wage of $15 an hour now. So a lot of the, a lot of the, I don't know how to say this, but you know, a lot of the associates that work in these call centers are being screwed out of a lot of money because had they worked for actual Bank of America, they would be making more on the quote minimum wage a Bank of America has. So long wait times is a cost cutting measure through and through it's, it's, saving money by not having to pay those people you're they're paying a company who's then paying their associates who are answering these calls of pittance they're they're paying them nothing it's just insane you know the next part of this is you know short staffs and i experienced this in a branch where i once worked for a branch that had 13 people and when we closed our banking center last august we had four people who worked for the company and it was amazing how how much of a fall in staffing, you know, that branch occurred, you know, to where they said, oh, well, you don't need four tellers, you need two. And then, oh, you don't need two, you need one. And then, you know what, if that one leaves, you guys should just migrate people to the ATM to do deposits and show them how to use their phones to make deposits. I mean, that was the reality of what we had. We had, you know, short staff and people would complain to us about it when we were just as angry at our superiors about it as the customers were we're like it'd be nice to have people to help where every lunch was 30 minutes and every lunch was never on time there was times where i would go to lunch at three fifteen and i would get back at three forty-five to leave at four because we were so busy we were so short staffed that we never had a moment to just kind of leave and go have lunch and come back we were always just squeezed for time branches aren't going to get any better. But call centers should. You figure, well, if we're going to have less overhead in paying for a building that holds a bank branch and the vault and all these things that come with it, you know, for every five people you fire from a branch, at least hire two people in the call center, for God's sakes. So, you know, I had spoken with someone who wanted to be a, quote, whistleblower with me, with Bank of America, and she worked in a call center for credit card customer service and she told me that there's literally 20 people working in her call center you know during a peak time that's 20 people helping the whole country now i don't know how many call centers you know there are that handle that specific department that she was with and i'm not going to give any names for privacy of course but if there's only 20 people helping the whole country and everyone's problem when they're calling is their worst day you know that's oh my god my someone stole my card or there's fraud or I need to do this and that, they're not calling for their health. They're calling because they have an immediate legitimate need. When you're putting them on hold for an hour, it's not that they're lazy and they don't want to help. It's just that they're so overwhelmed with calls, and everyone's you know issue is important to them at least. So whenever you have someone on the phone, they may not get to you right away just because that person that's talking to them while you're on hold is going through a meltdown because it's the worst thing that ever happened to them in banking ever period end of story and you have so many people doing that and all of a sudden you're you're getting you know a bad review for your service through no fault of your own because there's literally 20 people working in the place that's supposed to serve what 100 million credit card holders with bank of america or something like that it's it's crazy it's insane it does not make any sense and that has to do with short staffing. I, you know, I call it the big Jenga game. You know, higher-ups will pull one thing out of the, of the stack in the hopes that it doesn't topple over. It says, well, you know, you guys can do it with two less tellers. How about we close the call center at 7 p.m. instead of 9 p.m.? And they see if they can still have the same results while pulling all these, these little, you know, things out. And all of a sudden saying, well, one less person. You know what? We have too many managers, one less manager. Can we still sustain? Yes, we can. We Our scores, our customer service scores are about the same. Maybe we can cut the budget too. And you get a very bad experience with overworked people who are stressed out because they don't have a moment in edgewise from having all the crap talked to them over the phone by customers who don't know that, hey, the problem with the long wait times... It has nothing to do with the person you're talking to It has everything to do to the person you're not talking to and it's only going to get worse how unfair is that how how ridiculous is that to have you know two dozen people that's you know that's a small classroom that's 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 how little that is that's it's a ridiculously low amount of people helping thousands if not tens of thousands of people and the whole times are so long and then not to mention that those associates who answer the phone are judged by their call time. So if that customer spends an hour and a half trying to troubleshoot a problem, who gets in trouble? The associate does. Because one, you spend too long with that customer. Two, you didn't get anything done, so you got a bad review. Three, we had 100 people hang up in the time that it took to help that person. And four, the people who didn't hang up are pissed off because you took too long. Those call center associates, I feel so bad for them. I do not wish that upon my worst enemy. I have applied for call centers to you know to find a a job in the meantime while I make this podcasting work, and I don't want to work there because I know the environment and I know that I won't thrive in it because of things like that because of dictation from a company that says hey you guys need to do more with less it just doesn't work that way in certain aspects and Bank of America is eating a lot of crap for how they're treating you know customer service over the phone. And short staffing, whether it's you know outsourcing the calls or whether it's internal, is just horribly wrong. Now, one of the other things that Bank of America will tell you whenever you're waiting that long on the phone, it says, "Well, you could do a lot of the things um, over the phone, online as well, if you download the Bank of America app or go to bankofamerica.com." No, you can't. There's there's reasons why people call on the phone. And, and there's, there's two types of people calling the phone. One, someone who's oblivious to online banking and mobile, someone who may be a little older, or someone who's just not familiar or comfortable with online and mobile banking. And then two, you get the people who actually legitimately have to call because there's a fraud notification or their card got blocked or compromised or something stupid like that. Those people have to call. So whenever you have a, a recording that says you can go to Bank of America 24 hours a day on the app or online, that's patronizing. They're not on the phone because they want to. You, you're you making them go on the phone, and then you're making them wait. And then you're telling them falsely that there's there's an easier way to do it online. No, there's not. That's why they're on the phone. And to me, it's just crazy. It, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever whenever... If you can do a lot of the things online, and that's where Bank of America is going, is having a lot of their services um, online banking. Then I understand, and more power to them for trying to change up the game. Yeah, it sucks for the you know tons of people who are going to lose their jobs, but you also got to factor in that hey, the business is evolving. But here's my problem with the evolution of the business. You can't evolve the business unless you teach people how to actually use your services. So whenever you're telling them to go online, you're telling someone who may not know, and you're going to lose that customer because that person has never been taught how to use online banking or mobile to solve certain problems. And they're not going to explore it because they're afraid they're going to screw something up. So it's entirely the bank's fault for not showing customers One, how to effectively use online banking for troubleshooting. That's on them. That's on the bankers. That that was on someone who has my job, you know, and I tried my hardest to help my customers. And I thought I did a good job with that. But I think as a whole, the bank doesn't. And secondly, having clear lines, having a page that says, this is what you call the number for. Do not call for these services as we can provide them. Or you can do this online, but for these services, please call the number. People will read a page like that. People will, you know, even if you have that on a recording, at least state that on there. Because what's happening is, you know, the whole times are being impacted by people who are dialing the wrong number, who are going to the wrong department, who insist on being helped even though that associate cannot help them with that. And there's a million other reasons for that. And it's just, it's just dumb and silly and it makes no sense that the bank doesn't find a better way to help these people. So online banking isn't the end all be all. We need to have these call centers work when they're short staffed or when they're, you know, being run by employees of another company that's not Bank of America. Guess what? That's not fun, and and that's 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 an issue that's going to be um, consistent until something is done about it with Bank of America. Now, the last thing I wanted to get into was estimated hold times. You know, Bank of America has a, a automated system that tells you what your estimated hold time is. You know, it could be anywhere from three to five minutes to 45 minutes to 62 minutes. I've had some people wait up to three hours in the last month on the phone trying to speak to Bank of America's customer service. And I understand why they say estimated hold time. That is, you know, covering their butt. That's to say, hey, you may be on the phone for this long, but that's an estimate. It may be more, it may be less. Who knows? We, we're just guessing that based on the call volume and the amount of staff we have. I mean, it's scientifically, I'm sure they come up with that number legitimately. My thing is don't promise the wait time. You know, I, I, I'd rather not know what you think that I should wait rather than you giving me a BS number. So whenever someone's on the phone for an hour, if you told them that's going to be 10 minutes and then it is an hour, in fact... That person's gonna be upset because they feel lied to. It feels like the three strike one. You already lied to them once. What are you gonna lie about next? You know, I. And when it comes to waiting, people have things to do. Yeah, on your smartphone, you can you know go on the internet and go on Facebook, you can play a game on your phone, you can you know cook dinner. It, it's it's silly to have to wait for that. And then bank of america had an option i I don't know what happened with it because i've had customers tell me otherwise but bank of america had an option where you know hit a certain button type in your number and they'll call you back when it's quote your turn the social security administration does that um for their phone service and it's pretty decent you know it, it works and i would have my customers type in their number um, whenever they're in my office and then they say we will call you back when it's your time estimated four to six minutes or whatever and these people would leave and then at the end of the day they would come back and say i never got a call i'm like what do you mean you never got a call it's like they never called me back and i mean they knew that i wasn't lying because they heard it on speakerphone and they saw me punch in their number so bank of america's automated callback system is either one of two things one it's all a lie and it's not really there it doesn't exist in that sense. Or maybe maybe it does exist and then they just pick and choose who to call based on their quote value to the to the bank unquote. Or it's just so overwhelmed that the callback system just can't accept any more callbacks because everyone's gonna say, screw this, forty minutes, I ain't gonna wait and then they dial their number and they what they don't understand is once they get a call back they're placed on hold again because there's a backlog of people who called back who got called back from the initial call and then the initial you know input of their number to call them back i know that sounds confusing as hell but when they call you back it's not calling you back to help you right away it's called back to say hey you're you're coming up next in line so be ready for someone on the phone and people would be so pissed off. They would be furious with that. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many angry customers I had said, well, you guys said you call me back and I never heard back from anything and then this and that is due and then all this is going on. And it would just turn into a big mess. It would turn into a big mess because the bank lied to them. Because the system, an automated system, one that they don't trust already, is telling them something that's just absolutely not true. And they're so angered by that. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do to a customer, and you've done it, and you've done it multiple times, you know. And it's just wrong. It's, it's something that I would rather not know, or just honestly, don't offer the service, you know. Don't have dedicated people on staff. Yeah, it's going to lead to the loss of hundreds, if not thousands of jobs, but you're fighting a losing battle, Bank of America, whenever you're giving estimates of whole times, and then, all of a sudden, whenever that estimated hold time is not being honored, if you will, you're going to have an angry client, and then that conversation is going to go nowhere. The bank is going to lose that person as a customer, probably. They're going to lose the opportunity for sales to be selfish for Bank of America. And three, guess what? That person's going to comment, whether or not to you, to maybe Google Reviews, Yelp, to their friends, their family. And people remember stuff like that, they absolutely do. And all I can say is, good. That's the way to get things changed is if someone speaks their mind, and that's what this podcast is for. One last thing that's more kind of a theory, and maybe it's not a theory. Maybe it's something that I, you know I know to be true, just because of the level of clients that I helped in my banking center. But I would see scenarios where the estimated hold times, you know in my office would say you know three to five minutes and we'd be there for 20 minutes on the phone on hold waiting for someone to get to us well what happens whenever you call customer service is you dial in your phone id and then of course you you dial in your card number and the last three digits in the back of your card to verify who you are so whenever the person says hi thank you for calling bank of america my name is derek how can i help you today They already know who you are and they already see your accounts, and they probably have done just a quick overview of what's going on with your accounts to see if it's even worth taking your call. And this goes back to what uh, Twitter user Aurora underscore Knightley and I were talking about, where I think what happens is, you know, whenever you call and they see that you're preferred, somehow you get to skip the line, even though you maybe haven't enrolled in preferred rewards. They see that and they go, hey, I'm gonna take this call. This guy has fifty thousand dollars. Maybe I can refer him to open up a credit card or something. And they're gonna take their call and they're gonna be helpful, and they're gonna be, you know, on top of everything. But if you see someone who's and I've had customers like this, you know, some of my quote, favorite customers were the ones that were probably of no value to the bank just because they were nice people. I had a person who would overdraft fifteen times a month, you know, to the tune of five hundred dollars a month. And they would call to try to get their, you know, refunds for their overdrafts as a courtesy because they were sick or whatever. But I would I would know from this person that she would be on the phone for a long period of time just to have that conversation. Because what I think would happen is whenever her information will populate on the screen and they would see, well, this person's minus $500. They've had 15 overdrafts this month, and they've had 150 overdrafts, totaling $5,000 or more in the last year. They go, "I'm not gonna get any sales from this person. I'm not gonna have a good conversation with them. All they're gonna want is a refund of fees, and all they're gonna want is this, 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 me, me, me." And those people would wait. So I would have my, you know, some of my favorite clients tell me, "James, it takes forever for this to happen. You can't do it." And we couldn't you know, refund or do certain things in the branch. So I'd have to put them on the phone and it would run into this. So my maybe not so theory, maybe an actual thing that does happen is whole times are enhanced by what managers are telling their associates to perceive as a valuable customer. If you see someone with overdrafts consistently, Or if you see someone with a balance below, let's just say $5,000, there's no incentive to help that person if you're a Bank of America associate because you're probably not going to get any sales. You're probably only going to get trouble for the services that they're wanting. And there's not going to be anything of value that the bank considers in that conversation. So I think hold times are influenced not just by lack of staff. I really think it's influenced by what Aurora Knightley and I were talking about. That some people are just more important to others just on the fact that maybe they have good credit and they have credit card offers up the wazoo and it's easier to take that call than someone who doesn't have that. Someone who has more money and maybe can refer them for another service. Or someone who maybe they just have that little Merrill Lynch notification on the Bank of America associate screen, which I would be aware of, which says, hey, this person has a lot of money, so one they'll probably leave a review because they're going to get a survey anytime they come into the bank and two maybe i can get something out of this really valuable client and maybe i can help my bonus or whatever they're picking and choosing who they want you know it's not a standing in a line you're next no there's no line it's all just a bunch of people wandering around and the associates just looking to cherry pick who are the best clients it's just wrong and it's just horrible and it's not going to get any better folks the reason why I'm having this podcast today is just because I'm just alerting you that expect this to happen whenever you're calling Bank of America because I was a part of the transition to third party you know, vendors being you know, customer service associates over the phone. I've seen the long hold times up until the, the last day that I was employed at Bank of America and I'm seeing it now talking to the folks on Twitter. I'm seeing a change in the way that they think as a traditional way of banking because they want to go non-traditional, which is online and mobile, and that doesn't involve a lot of associates. But call centers do, branches do, and this is this is the bank's way of just trying to get out of that norm. And while I try to applaud the foresight and thinking, hey, the future is not always going to be looking like what it you know banking looks like now, you still got to put the systems in place to make that run effectively. Otherwise you're gonna have a bunch of people waiting on the phone for an hour. You're gonna have a bunch of people who don't feel like their problems matter because they don't have a lot of money. They're gonna you're gonna have issues with call centers that have twenty people on staff handling thousands of calls. You're gonna have people who just feel like you don't care when in actuality all you gotta do is pick up the phone. My friends, the call center environment for Bank of America is one of the reasons why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Follow me at Bank Screwed Us on Twitter, at BankSucksPod on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at right. I have a couple of projects coming out. I have a book coming out called Bank of America Nearly Made Me Homeless, and I work there. Available on Amazon very, very soon. I have a book for younger folks called Beer Money. It's going to be a way of learning how to bank in a more fun, um, mature um, atmosphere. Viewer discretion advised on that book. It was a lot of fun that I had, but I really think that it's important to talk to the people younger than myself about banking because no one is teaching you because guess what? There's not a banker in a branch anymore because they're closing all the banks. And then finally, I'm going to have the Bank of America Complaint Book, which is still yet unnamed, that's going to be coming out soon, that is going to benefit charity. It's going to help benefit myself as well to pay the bills while I continue to um, work hard to fight for you guys uh, from Bank of America and other banks and all the things that they do to make it a stressful place to work and to do business. My friends, call centers are not fun. I hate talking on the phone. I like talking one on one in person. I'm actually liking this podcasting a little bit too. Talking on the phone is not my favorite thing. I know it's probably not your, you know, not your cup of tea as well. But longer call times is just gonna make it more and more crappier. And um, apathetic Bank of America employees who don't want to help you over the phone, although they give that to you as a sincere option. And I'm rolling my eyes as I'm saying that. Uh, To contact them whenever you need help is just the reason why your bank sucks. Again, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. My name is James Baca. You have yourself a great day, and I hope to have you back for another edition of Why Your Bank Sucks. Thank you.